Awesome. Let's see here. What's going on, dude? What's going on, man? It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to be seen, as like my dad would always say. But uh, yeah, no, man, this is great. I appreciate you doing this. Of course, man. Of course. Let me see here. Is uh, Are you on the computer? Uh, do, you, do you need me to turn it the other way? Yeah, that'd be cool. It'd look a little bit better. There we go. If able. I don't want to, you know, screw anything up. Oh, that works great. Very good. Is that Elvis behind you? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is, man. That's great. Is that canvas or is that just a... Uh, just a poster, man. Just a regular old poster. That's cool. That's great. Yeah. I love that. You out in LA right now? Yes, sir. I am. Fine. I mean, did you ever think, uh, what was it now you're 17, 18 now? Where are you? 17, I just 18? turned it. I, I turned 18 this June. Do you think uh, 18 year old from Pell City uh, about a year and a half ago would be sitting where you are? Dude, I know <laughs> never in my life, man. Yeah, that's I dreamed crazy. of it. I dreamed of it. Um, but I I did I didn't really expect it like this, man. Yeah. Now how you like it out there? It's good. Yeah, I love it so far. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, it's uh West Hollywood. Yes, sir. My gosh. Yeah, I, I've I've actually never been there. I'd I'd love to to head out there. Uh where are you from? I'm from Chicago, but like, Chicago. so the thing is, is when we all say we're from Chicago, none of us are, I mean, there's a few that are from really Chicago, but like, we're always yeah. like 30 minutes away from the city. So that's where I am. See, I'm like, a, way people, people ask me where I'm from and I'm like, oh, I'm from Birmingham, but I'm really like 30 yeah. minutes away from Birmingham. I live in Pell City, you know, it's an easier way to, to, to have that conversation with someone, you know, yeah. you say, where are you really from? Like, oh, all right. Well, that's that conversation dies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's good, man. Well, that's that's crazy. So, I mean, first off, I mean, I'm sure you're sick and tired of the whole American Idol thing, but I, I wanted to ask you about the the initial audition experience with that because I actually just auditioned um, with, uh, like, they did, like, the open call thing, and I did that. Yeah. Uh, did you enjoy it, was, it? I did do it, but it was very, it was very kind of intimidating at first. Oh, um, yeah. But I do... I love this format, man, because it's giving people who might have a little bit you know, like social awkwardness to get in front of people. It gives them that oh. opportunity to do it from their bedroom because of COVID. So they've switched. Hopefully they keep that this format moving forward. But was that the same way for you or was did yeah. you do in person? I mean, it was it's so it's so awesome. Just like you're saying, it's giving so many people the opportunity to do something that maybe they like wouldn't pursue in person because right. of like the different you know struggles that they have to go through with that with travel and everything mm -hmm. or maybe they're too shy to do it in person initially yeah. and now it gives them the chance but it also gives so many people with the resource of just a phone mm -hmm. to be able to um audition for this so it, it's really awesome man no it is that's uh that's i mean that's it's such an attractive format and hopefully it stays stays that way but uh what's the support kind of been like back, back home i mean from friends families and stuff like that i mean how yeah. without them none of this would even be possible but what's it been like as far as everything post idol i mean because once once the cameras are off and the lights are all done it's like okay i'm back to living but all this life changes what has it been like post everything as far as adjustment goes well man it's it's so insane because like you uh, some people, they don't prepare themselves for it. Like while they're on the show, I, mm -hmm. I tried to keep like a good mindset and like prepared myself for when I come home, like what my plan was going to be, 
how to start kicking into action. And um, I'll tell you, I feel like after um, Idol, like the whole world just opened up. Yeah. Like it, it was so awesome because initially after it was like, I did some shows in my hometown and then I flew to Canada. Then like I did a really great farewell concert. And um, then I moved here and it's just like life has just um, started to blossom and really mm -hmm. started to open up, you know, since the show. And um, not that it wasn't before the show, but just right. more so, you know, in the sense of getting to experience things and getting to do things with my career. You know what I mean? It's It's been absolutely amazing. Yeah, I'm sure... I'm sure what you just said was, is this still hard to kind of wrap your head around career now? This is what you're doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, that's what I love about the show, though, too. I mean, you have, you know, people who, uh, case of point, would know, you know, do a drywall. Now his life's changed, right? Yeah. Um, it's just crazy. So before, I mean, you know, 18 now, um, when was that guitar given to you, that first guitar? When did music, when did you really first? I know 11, I think it was, is when you started to, gained some interest in it but when would you say was the first time where you're like okay i think i, I think i could do something maybe with this yeah well i mean it's so kind of crazy how the whole thing like the whole thing worked out mm -hmm. i was um i went to work for my uh, uncle he's not like my blood uncle but he's like my uncle's family you know? yeah. yeah yeah he's family um and his name's Rick Hall, coolest dude ever. Not Muscle Shoals Rick Hall, not that guy, a different guy. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, he's he was kind of like an he's kind of like an urban legend where we're from. Rick Hall is he's uh he's all he's an awesome guy. And um, I actually went to work for him one summer um, when I was um, just turned fourteen, and um, I saved up the money working for him that summer to get my first guitar. And um, that was, uh, well, it wasn't my first guitar. Technically, my first guitar, me and my mama got uh, from this guy named Chris. It was electric guitar, but my first acoustic guitar that I really started, like, learning songs on and learning stuff on, that's what I got that summer. And, um, oh, man, I'll tell you, it wasn't even, like, a couple of months after, and I'd learned, like, a couple of different songs. And then I started... Um, like getting up with different guys that were at yeah. local bars and like playing a song in between their sets, you know, just to get out there and to have fun with what I was learning. And then it really just kind of grew from that. Then it was like, okay, maybe I should really like look into getting like a, a little PA system to take to these places. And then now they're paying me and now I'm, you know, going around. And then all of a sudden it just kind of skyrocketed into this whole thing. But I always had like, this thing in the back of my head, like, yeah, I want to make a career out of this, you know, just how am I going to get there? What's going to, yeah. what's, what's going to, yeah, there's all these other things I got to, the fillers. What's, how am I going to get there? When, when's it going to yeah. happen? How am I? Yeah, no, that, that's great. Do you have uh only child? I mean, any siblings? Yeah, I'm an only child, man. Only child. All the attention in the world then is spread <laughs> on you. How close yeah. were, was, uh, you know, is that relationship with the parents? Oh my gosh, me and my mama, we are, um, our picture's right here. I mean, she's, she's my biggest supporter. She's, she's my whole world. And, yeah. um, you know, she's the most encouraging person when it comes to, I mean, what I've, what I've went into. I mean, every, a lot of musicians have that story like, yeah, my parents didn't care about my yeah. artistic aspirations. They always like kicked me to the curb and it inspired me to be better. But like I have like the complete opposite story, you know, because my mom's she's always been so encouraging and so supportive. And 
I mean, goodness gracious, it's, I mean, she's just helped me through every single aspect of this. And I mean, she's, she's the main reason that I'm here where I am today. She's the reason. Yeah. The sole reason. Yeah. I, I'd like to think you'd had a little bit of part in it too, but yeah, no, it is. That's important to have that though. It really is. I mean, you could have, all, all you really need is one person to tell you, to tell you otherwise, if people yeah. have been telling you, know, you, you can't just takes that one. Yeah. And sometimes that's enough. Sometimes you still got to find it in yourself, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. So then, uh, I find it interesting though. So you said you started to then play in bars, dude, but how were you even able to get in at that age? Exactly. Like, there's a, well, there's a rule really quick before you get in. There is a rule in like, uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, where one of my favorite musicians is from, uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Um, there's a rule in Shreveport called the Kenny Wayne Shepherd law. It's like an unwritten law where if you're under yeah. 18 and you're good, they'll let you play if your mom or dad's there, but that's it. I mean, you, you not even close to being 18 when you start, I mean, you just turned. So yeah. well, how are you getting in? Yeah, see, like in Alabama, there's the law that um, if you're entertainment, if you're there, and if you're under 18 and you have a parent there, then you can you can play. That's that's all good. That's so, nowhere yeah, near here. It's really it's a really good it, it's a really good dynamic because I mean I, I wouldn't have had I wouldn't have had that experience if that law wouldn't have been in no place. So, I mean, but there are places that turn you down that are like strictly 21 and up clubs that you can't get into. So, I mean, that, that was a, that was a, that was a whole different deal. But I mean, I mean, since turning 18, there really hasn't been like a change. Like, oh, I have so many more opportunities now, right. you know, really been the same kind of steady thing, which is, which is really, really great. And something I'm really thankful for, um, Super excited to play the Whiskey A Go Go, by the way, which is crazy. It's an all ages venue. Like, it's an all ages show that people can come to, which is something I'm super, super excited about. They don't do that often, do they? Uh, well, it, well, the whole venue is all ages, like 24 7, which is That's, super, super wow. cool. Back in the heyday, I'm sure it wasn't like that. Though. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. It was. I'm sure yeah, there it was. was a lot of things in there that, uh, I mean, a lot of people should have saw, but they did. <laughs> But no, that's crazy, man. I mean, that venue it's it's so iconic, but it doesn't hold a lot. It's like under five, right? Under five hundred. Oh yeah, I think it is right at five hundred when it's at compass, uh, capacity, um, which is so crazy. I I played a whole four hundred seat venue back home and packed out the thing, and it was awesome. But that was back home, you know. So I'm finding my art, my audience here, and I mm. think this show is going to be a great gateway to be like. Hey guys, this is who I am. This is what I do. Follow me around, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I'm really excited. The, yeah. What is the, what is the, what are the other things that you use to kind of promote yourself though? Other than the American Idol, obviously you got the poet out there, but do you feel like, uh, it's a little bit harder in this stage maybe to kind of put yourself out there other than the fact that, Hey, American Idol, I got this out. Oh, do you think that's helping you? Because I mean, you are still obviously in the process of putting out, you know, I would would you consider the poet an EP or a record? Oh, it's a it's uh well I mean it's a record. It's, but, yeah, it's it's, it's mean, but it's an EP. Right, it's, right. It's totally an EP. So what's the I mean, how are you navigating now this new part of your life with kind of promoting and, and pitching the show? Um because you know, obviously you're playing stuff off the poet. Um yeah. I'm sure you're playing newer stuff, but do you find it harder to navigate it with just hey, I was on American Idol Top Eleven, 
I mean, obviously that's all you need, but yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, it's really, um, I use, I use like the American idol thing. Like, Hey guys, this is, this is what I do, Sure, yeah. but it's really, I feel like it's more about the artistry. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, um, American idol, like really taught me so many things mm. and gave me an amazing start, but that was the start. You sure, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, cause there's so many other things to what makes somebody an artist than like their first album or like, um, like American Idol. Like there's so much more to somebody like that. Just like there was so much more to John Lennon than the Beatles or oh, gosh, more yeah. specifically, um, the white album. Like mm-hmm. you can't change his whole career based on the white album. Right. You know? So, I mean, and it is difficult to navigate through this stage, um, in my career because i'm so new to the scene sure and it's like i just got off the most publicity i've ever gotten in my entire life and now it's time to start um working up back up to that um kind of stage again you Mm -hmm. know um and it's it's been going really really well i'd say really been going (laughs) yeah you know you hit on a a point that kind of brought me to what i wanted to to bring up too you said publicity so obviously you know i've i've done a lot of the i've worked with a lot of artists that you maybe know too with photography concert photography so there's a lot of things that i've seen people i've worked with uh sporting teams i've worked with and the one thing i've always noticed uh and it's when i worked with minor league baseball players is once they got to that next step it's like they changed who they were as a person as far as how they interact with the people they love friends or just fans how do you how did that i mean just over just a overwhelming amount of publicity was it did it change i mean how did you use that and kind of did it well, change I a think, little bit of how you viewed things or yeah you, well you know it's more so i feel like a lot of that comes from how people start acting towards you after yeah. that and that might change somebody's mood but i mean thankfully like the people that i was around like my mama and my friends and my girlfriend like everybody was so supportive and mm-hmm. and nobody nobody really changed like what they thought about me they're really proud of me sure but it yeah. was oh, you're too whatever now, you know? Right, I mean, right. there were like a couple of people like that in school and then it just kind of, you know, I mean, whatever. It wasn't really people that I talked sure. to a bunch, yeah. you know? But they were like my friends, my really cool friends. Like they they didn't change, you know? And I didn't change. So like well, when I got- That's the biggest part. That's what I was trying to get at. Yeah, that's important. Know, like yeah. when I got back, it was like the same old jokes, you know, the same old good time. But then it's like, all right, guys, I'm, I'm playing a show. And then it's like yeah. afterwards, it's the same old good times. You know, it's, it was it was so much fun. I got to say, like my farewell concert, um, that was that was such a fun show. And I feel like, um, I mean, getting to see a lot of my friends come out and support, you know, before I left to come to Hollywood was was really was really a great moment for me as an artist and just as a person to see who, you know, really who was really there for that and who really cared and you know right who did you use for your band for that show oh some really awesome local musicians man uh david keith and um my bass player brandon i mean those guys those guys are freaking phenomenal i mean they're they're wonderful they make me they make me look bad (laughs) (laughs) Uh, or they make me look good so to speak i don't i don't know how you put that but like they're they're like top tier professional 
professionals in this and you know they've been playing for a long time i i it, could i say they're local i mean they've been everywhere i mean they they've been absolutely everywhere and they're they're um they're really they're really supportive too you know they're really supportive they're really into it and that's that's what matters to me you know of course yeah no because i i always find that interesting too because they do all these things right after after these contests and things like that it's like well then who's playing with you who are these yeah. guys but and you then, know what the this is the same thing. It's usually the people that you started playing with back hometown. Hey, do you want to, do you want to do this? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, <laughs> man. And my drummer, uh, David, I mean, he's been such a big part in helping me with what came after the show in terms of like recording and getting the right, knowing the right people, getting in the right rooms, um, and just being, uh, helping me, um, kind of start planning out where I was going to go. He owns his own studio oh, and wow. it's really great. Studio, Gentown Studios. Anybody in the Alabama area looking to record? It's a great studio. I um, actually just got my masters back for the song I'm releasing on the 28th. Oh, there you go. Now I got those um, today. So that's exciting. Yeah. How's how was that process though? I mean, is this is this all digitals and analog? What was the process like getting getting in a you know a bigger studio and doing something like this? Because was the poet was that self recorded? Uh, well, the poet, I went to a, to a smaller studio in, um, oh my gosh, oh, I can't remember. It was, uh, uh, Childersburg, Childersburg. It's called Nashburg Studios. Um, Wesley and, and, um, yeah, I mean, those guys, those guys were so cool. And, um, yeah, I mean, for what I was trying to do at the time, they really it helped yeah. it perfectly. And, you know, and I think for what I was trying to do this time with David, I think that was I think it was the best route, you know, to go. And so, you know, for, for what I was doing and for that early stage of my life, I really wanted to give something to show my beginning. And I think the poet was a real good kind of um, love letter to that. Speaking of love letters, uh, the show is over now is a real big love letter to the show and everything that happened and everything that went on. And I just think it's a great, um, just a great goodbye to that whole chapter of my life but also a good hello to a brand new beginning. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, do you, uh, as far as uh, booking goes and stuff like that, is there, I mean, I know you're doing shows out West because that's where you are, but is there plans for this, like a tour coming together in support of new music soon? Well, I'm wanting to do something along those lines and up that scale. Um, I can see something like that probably happening next year because I'm going to be, yeah, I'm going to be releasing a um, an EP next year. I'm aiming for March. Cool. I got a bunch of great songs down. Um, but I also, I mean, I got so many singles coming out, like, up until then. Like, so there's there's a lot of new music you guys should be, like, really excited for. So much, uh, so many different flavors and styles that are going to be coming into this new music, too. You know, from folk to indie to... Um, you know, just all all those different elements that I'm wanting to fuse together to make something truly, um, truly fun and unique. So, mm-hmm. as uh, as someone who could, I just start to introduce the harmonica to some yeah. of the stuff that I use, I, it's a game changer. Like I didn't realize, like not only does it help me, keeps me kind of on time a little bit. It's yeah. like a drummer that it's not a drummer, but exactly. Yeah. Like there's some songs that if I don't have it, like if I leave the harmonica at home and I go out and play. I'm like, uh, I don't like it doesn't it doesn't feel the same when you introduce that. I don't know when that was as far as what age it was musically for you. But 
what did what did it do as far as a uh, a launching pad? Did it take you from here to boom, way up to? Well, man, I'm telling you, it's kind of like it just added a whole other layer mm-hmm. to who I am as an artist because you want once you start diving into that new kind of style with the sorry, excuse me, but with the harmonica. Yeah. And I mean, everything when it comes to that, it's just a whole other door that opens and it gives you a new way of expressing yourself. Just like when I started playing like the keys, like I played the piano for the first time live in Canada in front of an audience. And it was like, it went over really, really well. So I was like, oh man, I incorporated that in my artistry. And now it's like a whole other... It's a whole other different like language, you know, yeah. to express myself with with these song ideas and everything. It's like it's it's really great. It's because the more instruments you know, like the better you can bring the ideas yeah. in your head to life, you know. Yeah, I mean, look at there's there's an artist that I like a lot, uh, Wolfie Wolfgang Van Halen. He is the same way. I mean, yeah. Eddie's kid, he knows every instrument. So when those ideas do come to him, he can literally just go and record whatever came to him in that moment on whatever instrument it was that it came to him, and then yeah. he's good to go. It's a lot. It, it helps the process. Oh yeah. Who would you say? Obviously, there was a lot of. Uh, I don't know if you've ever mentioned it when you were on the show, but I got a lot of. Dylan obviously influences a lot of Stevie just based on the energy, Stevie Ray. Um, who who would you say are the the top three for you that kind of molded you into who you are uh, flavor-wise? Uh, uh, I'd have to say, um, oh, goodness. It's such a tough thing to do. I'd have to say, um, yeah, definitely Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan, um, Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. And Elvis Presley. I mean, those yeah. those are like the biggest. And literally, I love that. I just like said that because it just turns out. Oh God, are you still there? Yeah, okay. I'm here. Yeah. But I'm those here. are the three biggest posters <laughs> in my room. There's Bob, and then there's Jimmy and Elvis, and like those quite literally are like my three biggest inspirations when it comes to my style. With Michael Jackson in a really close um, fourth place. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the thing is, though, and I, I was talking about this the other day with a friend of mine, is um, it was the songwriting out of all of them were phenomenal. And I'm specifically with, with Dylan, but yeah. musically, do you think if he came out now, his it would take off? Because it wasn't the best voice, but his songwriting was just mind-blowing. I and mean, it was very, it was very moving. Something that you got to look at, but is songwriting even appreciated today? I don't think it is, but I listen to it. There's a lot of people that it, listen to the song and go, do you know what they're saying? No, I just I, don't like it. I'm like, what? <laughs> I even find myself when I listen to new, I mean, song, I say new songs, but like I was sitting here listening to um, Zuma, like Neil Young's album. And I was like, wow, this sounds good. I didn't know what any of the songs were. I wasn't listening to the words. You know, because you got to listen to a song like a couple times to really be like, oh, so this is what this is about. This is a great story, you know, and um, and I feel like when you're when you're in that kind of setting, when it's just an acoustic guitar and a harmonica or just an acoustic guitar and you singing, it's like you're listening to that story. You're not listening for the bass or the drum or the like the boom, 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 boom. you're not listening for that. You're listening. to What is he? What is he singing? Because. Sure. You, you take the attention off of all the the big this and that and all these things that you add on. And you're like, wait, 
what story is there to be listened to here? Because right. he's not he's not singing he's not singing to get people dancing. He's not singing to um you know, oh listen to this, which that stuff is awesome, but he's not singing for that. He's singing for a story. So it mm-hmm. makes you listen, what is this story that's being told? Right. And I feel like uh, some songs can get lost even when they have an amazing story. They can get lost in that, you know, especially in today's music. It can get lost in all the production and everything. Oh, you know? surely. And so, I, think, I mean, bringing right. it back, like, yeah, bringing it back to like, would Bob Dylan be famous today? I honestly don't know. That's a great question. Which is crazy, too, because, I mean, if you look at it, because I like the blues more than pr- probably any other genre. I mean, you look at... Uh, I think John Lee Hooker sold more records than he did from Dude. 1980 to 2000 because of Stevie Ray Vaughan. Dude, and that like exactly. And it's not. It's not because John Lee Hooker was. He's he was not making any music, but Stevie. There was there was a few artists who brought that music back to the mainstream. And even listen to this. Listen to this. There was probably somebody in the 80s saying, "Dude, if." If like BB King came out now, he probably wouldn't have been famous. But then you get somebody like Stevie Ray Vaughn. Everything. It was in the '80s, dude. The '80s. People were so like blues and rock. That stuff was dying at that yeah. time. He came point. back and he changed and the landscape. He just came up in like, bam, like just retold those great classic blues stories, bringing new things to the table with his Texas flair, and then just like he blew up. And it's a miracle. But like, dude, have you ever listened to Jimmy Reed before? I've listened. I'm sure I have. I, I've seen my palette. It's got to get it's got to get bigger. Like, I'll go back to Blind Lemon Jefferson and listen to uh, Mississippi John Hurt. Uh, dude, Monday Morning not, Blues. Love that. You have to. You have to check out Jimmy Reed. Uh, like, um, it's like imagine Bob Dylan or Neil Young if they did blues in like the 50s. Yeah. Like it's absolutely game changing. It was a game changer to me. It made me um want to start going and learning like blues harmonica and everything. And it's it's completely changed my outlook on some certain things when it comes to the harmonica. And it's just it's been a game changer for me, like indefinitely. What was the first record, real record, like vinyl record that you've owned? Oh man, I think it was I think I honestly I'm really not sure. It was probably something that I got from a thrift store, but honestly, like the first really like time I remember going and buying a record was with my mama, with my mama at this, um, at this place we got Michael Jackson. There you go. That's a good condition. Oh, oh, well it's, it's not, it's, it's a newer one. I was going to say, wow, that's a lot of money. But yeah, man, but no, this, uh, you, you'd be surprised like Bob Dylan's new moon rising or Mm -hmm. morning. Sorry. Um, oh my gosh, dude, I got, I got like one of Elvis's first presses. Wow. Um, yeah. For his self-titled album, his first self-titled album, one of the original presses of it. And it was a little less than a hundred bucks. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Someone I think mispriced it, but dude, exactly. (laughs) find you can find some really really great records at some great prices dude and like i'm I'm a real vintage kind of guy like i i don't i feel like it's kind of a sin to listen to like newer presses because i'm like 
oh man, I want to hear what they were hearing. You know right, what I mean? Right. And dude, when I tell you that, when I put, um, dude, when I was listening to his first Elvis's first album, it was, and I'm not just saying this, I'm not just saying this because I spent like almost a hundred bucks on it, but like, it was different. It was it sounded different. You think it sounded different. What it do you think? Felt changes, though? I mean, what I, from an ear, I don't think I'd have that, that, that mature of an ear to, to understand the difference. Well, I, I don't know. I, the, the records were heavier back then too, hmm. you know? So there was something going on different with the sound. I, I played it on my old player that I always play it on, but it was just like, I, I don't know, dude. I, it was surreal. Like it was, it was like, you should pull it up on YouTube. I mean, just even seeing a video of it being played, it's like, it's really, really cool because I'll definitely have it, to do that. It takes you back in time with a way that it with some of these presses don't like, that's why, like, even with this Jimmy Reed one, it's all taped up and beat up. I got a good deal for it on eBay. And dude, when you set it on the player, it comes alive. You know what? You're right. You're right. Because I do recall this now. Because when I did photos for Dwayne Betts and Devin Allman, and they recorded their first record, they got like the Allman Betts band back together and they did a debut yeah. record. It was just basically the kids of the Allman brothers. And they did a record wow. at Muscle Shoals called Down to the River. And the, um, they meant they said something kind of like what you said now. I just remembered this. The older records, you can hear there's that, that little crackle to it. Yeah. Like, and that that's the sound that was different with these remasters they're all digitally remastered and that they eliminate all that that authentic that the tone the yeah the, that's yes. that's that's another thing too when you pick up a new like crest it's like a remaster it's been like remastered like 50 times i mean e even a new record it's still gonna have that crackle yeah but, but. Like, like exactly what you said like the remasters over time and time and then you get like this great sound you get a great sound out of it, but you're not listening. You're not hearing the tapes yeah, that's and like the part. all the little yeah. changes that have been over time. You're hearing the original, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's the, that's the good stuff. There's a few artists out there right now that, um, at first when you came on American Idol that I, there's one artist that came right to my head that I was immediately compared you to. And I don't like comparing, but I would just say, the what what was seen by me in that moment was an yeah. artist named anthony gomes have you ever oh. heard of him if you listen I, to it, him he will change your life and there was one record that stuck out to me initially and it was one of his first ones called uh sweet string and soul it was an acoustic rock album he's phenomenal he's canadian right uh, now yeah anthony gomes he's amazing and then there's another one that uh I'm sure maybe for Eddie Nine V, Eddie Nine Volt. He's from Nashville. Phenomenal. He's he's uh he just turned twenty three, twenty four. Um, wow. Yeah, it's kind of similar to electric blues rock harmonica type of vibe. Yeah. And uh, then uh, a, I just wrote the guys down. Yeah. So. And then I know you're out in the West Coast. There's another guy out there who's very folky. Um, his name is Kevin Patrick Sullivan. He goes by Field Medic. Um, he plays at the Troubadour every now and then. Ooh. Um, yeah, yeah, he's very good. His stage name is Field Medic. But those are three guys that I kind of just wanted to tell you about because sometimes, you know, even 
it, it all takes, you can listen to one person and then it takes you down a rabbit hole where you learn, you get inspiration from those people. Exactly. Um, I mean, just like the Jimmy Reed record, man, because I walked into a record store mm-hmm. um, and I heard him being played and it was like, oh my gosh, that's what I've been looking for. That's the sound I've been looking for. And then I was like, who is that? And he was like, it's Jimmy Reed. And I was like, oh my God, that's the song that that Bob Dylan songs uh, wrote about because Bob Dylan just uh, let out a new album called Rough and Rowdy Ways. I think it was made in like 2020. But you know, it's insane though that he's still doing this. (laughs) Yeah. And the the song's called Goodbye Jimmy Reed. And it was my favorite song from the album. And I looked up who Jimmy Reed was and it was some kind of preacher. I was like, huh? Hmm. All right. But then I found out who the real Jimmy Reed was. <laughs> and like, it, I, I mean, my life, my, my life kind of changed a little bit once I started listening to him. Cause it's just like this. Oh my gosh. It, it's just great. It's just great. Well, see, that's the nice thing about music. Like for me, it was my dad's to, it gets all the credit for this. It was Anthony or it was uh, Kenny Wayne Shepard to start. And then, I got hooked on him. So then I started to listen to all of his music. And then I started to listen to the people yeah. who said influenced him. And then he go down that rabbit hole. And then he listened to the people who influenced that person. And then yeah. it's just, it's never ending. But that's, what's great about it too. You get to track down these, um, origin these stories, inspirations and these origins, you know, right. and something, something I feel like why people don't appreciate, um, older music. Some people don't appreciate older music is because they don't understand the time period. They don't understand the time period. They don't care to understand it. They don't know what was happening at the time. You know, like if, um, if you listen to Buffalo Springfield, stop mm. children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's right. going. Um, you know, somebody probably today who doesn't really appreciate me, would be like, yeah, it's good. You know, I can, I can swing my head to it. But if you sat down and you told them the story about what was going on at that time and what that song was written about, they'd be like, Oh, wow. Talk about artistry. Right. You know, they want to praise artists today for doing like the simplest things, you know, and with the simple little nuances in their songs. And they're like, oh, my gosh, that's genius. Right. It still is artistry, though, but it's not looked at the same way. Yeah. You know, and they're like, wow, wow, that's really cool. Look at how, you know, they they wrote this verse because they've been there before. Right. Yeah. But look at these guys who are writing songs about their lives and what was happening, you know, with these political anthems that we're trying to change the world with that. That's something that doesn't happen anymore. You know, everybody's so streamlined with their tastes and it's got to have the drums. It's going to have the effects. And that's why there's a lot of people, including myself. And I am ashamed to admit it. Well, I was younger when I found it out, but um, that's why people like Jimi Hendrix, made more money off songs that Bob Dylan wrote than Bob Dylan did. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, that's, that's the thing, but there was a time for Bob Dylan, Correct. you know, yeah. there was a time for him, just like there was a time for Jimmy, mm-hmm. but the great thing about social media, which you'll never ever hear me say this. The great thing about social media is, um, just the things and the outlets that it's given. It's amazing, man. Performers. You look at like Jimi Hendrix's page. He's got like I don't know, like he wasn't he wasn't even around. Ra- no, I know it's funny. <laughs> no, and it's 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 a great thing. I think John Lennon's almost got a million followers, yeah. and Instagram wasn't even created when Correct. when he, you know around. But that's the great thing because these artists 
are getting a modern platform, mm-hmm. even though they're not around anymore, but their stories are still being told. There's still a young generation that's excited and ready for that kind of music again. And it's given artists like me and other similar like-minded people the the platform to be like, hey, you like their stuff? Well, we make stuff like that. Check it out, you know? And then it's just like this whole like camaraderie thing because if it wouldn't have been for them, it there there would be no artists like me or even some of the newer mainstream artists today. They wouldn't even exist without those, you know? And I feel like the newer artists today, they don't pay enough homage to what came before. Some of them do, some of them don't. Oh no, you nailed it. They don't. Not a, well. I shouldn't say they don't, but a lot of them don't. Yeah, a lot of them don't, and it makes me. It just angers me because um, I. I mean, I watch the Grammys all the time, all the time. But yeah. I feel like, you know, it's just it's heartbreaking to see you know a lot of the awards that I really love watching, the blues, yeah. the rock. I can't. We can't see that. We find out like a couple hours before the actual show who won yeah. it. So that's the other thing too. It's like I feel like the that's just stuff that you know yeah it's not radio played anymore a lot of people don't really seem to care about it as much but that's the thing that stinks too because without that none of this other music is possible yeah i think it's really awesome how the red hot chili peppers are come back so strong right you know and they're they're not they haven't changed anything uh there's nothing's changed you know, and they're putting out some badass records and people are enjoying it. You know, that's something that that's really cool that um, not a lot of artists have really been able to successfully do on the scale that they have. Especially today with all these yeah. the changing landscape of music as a whole. But I, yeah. I think the other thing, too, is just pretty crazy is there was a story that um, I, it's not out there other than there, I think there's just a few people in Chicago who who started uh, spreading the word that um, Jimi Hendrix, so I guess his biggest influence was Buddy Guy. And the reason that yeah. was, was I guess Buddy was playing a show at the University of Michigan years ago. Obviously, Jimmy was still alive and Jimi Hendrix was in town that week also playing a show. And all these kids were at the Buddy Guy show and everyone's like, dude, you sound like Jimmy, you're a knockoff. And he's like, who's Jimmy? And Jimi Hendrix is in the crowd and he goes, Mr. Buddy, I, Mr. Buddy Guy, I'm Jimi Hendrix. He goes, who the hell are you? And then he starts playing with him on stage and he goes, well, guess maybe I should know you. My name's Buddy. So everybody, that's early on, That's that was his biggest hero. Wow. So all of his early stuff, he was trying to replicate that that sound that Buddy had. But yeah, like that's just such that, a crazy thing to me that even so back cool. then, because it was so hard for music to travel back then too, unless you had a lot of money and you could afford listening to a radio uh it was music now travels easily instantaneously you got to upload something to tune core just yeah, you know, have it out there yeah and that's something that's so um lost yeah about industry today because there used to be a whole i literally did an interview yesterday talking about this same exact thing but there used to be like a whole um thing where you go to the record store you pick up the record you're looking at the album cover mm-hmm. you race at home just to hear it you know and it's like that kind of um it, it's gone unfortunately yeah. that that's gone um and it's something that even i'm guilty of you know you go and you listen to it on your phone right and then ah well i either like it or i don't you right. know there's there's not an experience around mm-hmm. it you know like there used to be 
Um, and that's something that I want to do. Like the next time an artist that I really like releases something, I really, or it's an album that I haven't heard before. I really mm-hmm. just go to the record store, get the record, go home, open it up, and then listen to it. You know, that's not the better. Buying from them direct is important too, because when I had Dweezil Zappa on my podcast, my other one that I kind of, so I had two podcasts, and then I stopped the other one because it was so much to manage both. So then every artist that I would have on there, I just started bringing them over here. But when I had him on, he, uh, he, he, what he's doing to kind of help combat the, the, you know, making money issue now too, because, in order to make a minimum wage, you have to have, I think it's uh, 1.5 million views or yeah. whatever it is on Spotify. Just make bare minimum wage livable as an artist. Um, he, he created basically something similar to that, but it's free for the artist to sign up and everything that you, uh, you know, all you get everything, all the views, every all that money goes to you. But he's finding it's so hard to do it because the industry is, there's not enough support behind it. Is someone coming up newer into this new age of it, what do you think is the biggest struggle is, you know, to make it a livable thing? Because there's it's so, they don't make it easy. It's so hard. Well, I think the easiest way to make it something livable, um, I mean, because, I mean, at the bottom line, if you're putting all your eggs in one basket with how many streams you're getting, you're going to starve, you know, Yeah. because I mean, even starting off, I mean, even after being on the show, mm-hmm. my stream high, but that's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not enough. Buy you know? direct from the it'll artist. Pay for a, it'll pay for a good tank of gas, yeah. but it's not gonna, you know, I can't eat off of that. Sure. So and that's the thing that sucks. The, the best way is to brand yourself. Right. You've got to brand yourself. You've got to, you got to advertise what you're doing. You got to show that it's unique and you got to make merchandise. So like for all my musicians out there who are trying to find a way to make a brand, it's all a lot of it's merchandise. You know, that's really how you're going to um really going to start making money at the end of the day and it takes money to make money. Sure, you know. Yeah. And it's it's going to it's going to take some investment and it's going to take some time, but you're going to make it back over time. I remember because I invested some money um, in making my website, and I made it all myself. But as soon as I put my merchandise up on my website, my money was made back. You know, you reach out to certain audiences, even if it's just even if you're like a smaller band. I know a band back home. Um, their name is Young Division. They're they're cool guys, and they like play concerts out of their garage. But they get like a ton of people coming to that little garage. But they've branded themselves. Mm-hmm. They have merchandise out. And that that's a big deal when you have merchandise out. People are looking at these tangible things. Oh, I want a piece of that band. You know, even with all these posters and like an Elvis clock that I have. It's it's I love those guys. And I it's like I have a little piece of their influence, right. you know? And so like Elvis is like his whole like estate is still making money. That's you know, crazy. I just bought yeah. that poster. They got like what, like probably like fifteen cents out of that. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. It's it's all about building a brand, but don't get too much into building the brand. Build the music first. Yeah, it's don't about the music. It. Yeah, you make it about the music first, and then and then if you know people have faith in that music, and if people believe in the stories you're telling, and if people resonate with what you're doing then you start building that brand to get them to resonate even more. 
you know, mm-hmm. just like with the, uh, with the whiskey, you know, I, um, I did this thing to where I'm signing autograph tickets and, um, I'm shipping. That's what I was doing at the beginning of the video yeah. is the letter because I have tickets that people, people purchase. Um, even if they can't come to the show, I still sign them and there it's a ticket from the whiskey. You know, one of the most yeah, famous great, in rock and roll history. And so it's a little souvenir, you know. So, I mean, it's all about building that brand and um, giving your audience something that is special to you and special for them. No, that's great. And I've even seen like I used to work at a, a, a small venue here in my, where I live. I mean, we'll bring in some we'll bring in like Jimmy Vaughn, Buddy Guy. We'll wow. have all these guys there and we would sell like show posters like yeah, like you buy your ticket to the show. If you want to spend fifteen dollars more, you get a signed poster from the artist. Like that's an exactly. that's a easy easy money. Exactly, you know. And um, I mean, even when I played in like restaurants and bars, when I used mm-hmm. to do that, like it was it was all in the merchandise. Yeah, you know, it's, it's always all in the merchandise. It's about it's about getting people engaged, mm-hmm. and then giving them a reason to stay engaged. Right. You know, that's important. Because once you lose them, it's kind of like, oh, oh, it's like the algorithm on social media. And the thing is, like when I started the podcast, it was it was crazy overwhelming because it was like it was going so crazy. And then once I stopped for a week, it was like, uh oh, I've lost everyone. Stories went from 600 to 700 views to four to five. And I was freaking out because I'm like, this is ridiculous. Why does this even thing? It's It's crazy. It's a full time job. In, in exactly. And that's that's something that there should be a pie chart of what being a musician is. Being a musician is it's like um like ten percent live shows, ten percent yeah. making music in the studio, and eighty percent social media. Like it's all about okay. how you yourself and brand yourself, you know? Oh, it's no. it's about right. Absolutely about right. So you got uh you got a show. So this comes out Friday. You got a show at the whiskey before then or after then? Uh Friday's the twenty third. I think the show's the twenty oh, eighth. Yeah. So, yes. The day after this will be coming out. Oh, yeah. Twenty fourth at the whiskey. So that's tomorrow. awesome. Yeah. So that's man. that's that's crazy, man. Yeah, because this yeah. comes out Friday, but super well, excited. Yeah, no, Tristan, I mean, it's I'm sure it's just crazy for you to even think about how, how your life has changed over the past year and a half, but uh, I appreciate you giving me a little bit of your time today, and uh, let's stay connected, man. Of course. Yes, sir. Thank you for the opportunity, and it was wonderful. Yeah, man. Check out those artists, too. Definitely. I got them, I got them written down. <laughs> All righty, man. Take care of yourself. All right, brother. I'll see you later. All right. Peace.